Welcome to another episode of Viatorian Voices, Conversations on the Way. This is pre-associate Dan Masterton, and I'll be your host for these episodes in the Boulder Dream series for ministerial formation. Today we focus on social justice ministry. For this topic, our guest is Michael Jordan Lasky. Mike has worked as a catechist, service immersion leader, and diocesan director of Life and Justice Ministry. He now serves the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States as its communications director, overseeing its website, social media, and vocation promotion, and hosting its podcast, AMDG. Mike is also the author of The Ministry of Peace and Justice, a practical guidebook published by Liturgical Press that can help local communities initiate intentional peace and justice ministry. To start, I asked Mike to give us a reset on social justice by rooting our work in Christ and the gospel. Enjoy the conversation. Yeah, I always love starting with the gospel because like every page, we're getting great stuff from Jesus that uh, is calling us toward working to make the world closer to God's dream for it. And like whenever I like to, would talk to groups and I've had jobs in which I've talked to groups about the call to work for justice, I usually would start just with like the great commandment to like love God and neighbor, which is like the central thing, right? And so like, okay, so what does that mean to to love someone? And so kind of dig in, what does Jesus mean by love? Like it's clearly just like not a feeling he, you know, you have in your heart though there's feelings involved, right? But like, what does love of Jesus to Jesus mean? And you get these great examples of when he shows like what love means in action. Like Pope Francis talks about this, right? Like concrete love, like it can't just be words or feelings. And, you know, so so many of those, the parables are great examples, like the Good Samaritan, obviously a classic one of someone being hurt and, you know, wounded by circumstances in the world lying on the side of the road and these kind of religious figures walking by and then someone noticing that person suffering, the Samaritan notices the suffering, moves toward it, cares for the person. And that is what love means to Jesus. So it's these these concrete actions that notice and respond to suffering and then work to alleviate it. That the suffering is not of God's dream. That is a sign of sin and brokenness in the world. And so we work to heal that. And we see Jesus, again, doing that over and over again, healing people who are suffering in a variety of ways, feeding people who are hungry in these very concrete ways. And, and of course, I think like if you want to think about a kind of classic justice gospel passage, the last judgment from Matthew is always like a popular one, right? Where Jesus says like, on the last day, you know, when you're being judged based on how you did in life, you'll be separated, separated out sheep from the goats and those who will be making it into heaven are ones who... Jesus says, right? Like when you fed the hunger, you fed me. Welcome the the uh, stranger among you. You clothe the naked, visit the sick, visit the prisoner. And of course, the people who have done those things say, oh, how did we care for you, Jesus? We've never seen you. And Jesus says, when you did these things to the least of my brothers or sisters, you did them to me. And that, that sense of Jesus identifying one-to-one with those who are suffering on the margins that is powerful. That if you want to see Jesus, he tells us, like, look into the face of someone who is hungry, look into the face of a prisoner, and that is where we'll see the face of Christ revealed to us, which is super countercultural, right? And that, that is where Jesus calls us to go to those places. And so when he's saying, like, our salvation really kind of hinges on how well we love and how well we love brings us to places of injustice and of woundedness and that invites us to respond, like, that's a pretty clear imperative. And, and so I think there are just so many of those great examples of when we're talking about like our call today to work on things like immigration reform or respect for all human life, like it's because Jesus kind of lays out the blueprint. 
So if we think of justice in terms of giving our brothers and sisters what's due to them and responding to people's rights and the things that they deserve and the things that society might be lacking in doing justly by them, what do you think might be a good place for a faith community to start? If you have a group of people who are trying to seek collective action, who are trying to work for justice, where might you point them as a starting point? Yeah, I, and this is where now that I work for the Jesuits, we talk all the time about discernment, right? That, that not discernment on my own about the, the choices I make in life and how I'm responding to what God might be calling me to do, but also communal discernment, the sense that we come together and make some of these decisions based on reading the signs of the times around us. So I, I think like often, whether it's a parish or like in a school community, when I've worked with those types of groups, it's bring those people together who have this understanding that their faith is calling them to heal the world somehow, to work with God and bringing about God's reign of justice and love. And then looking around their community, which can be their own neighborhood, their own city, beyond, uh, even internationally, because we, we think too that we're all part of this one family, all children of God together. And so our our concern doesn't end where our parish boundary is or where the state boundary is. It extends beyond that. But kind of looking at the signs of the times, knowing what's going on around us, knowing how our neighbors are suffering, knowing what issues they're facing, and then kind of responding there. And so that can be, I think, can look different in different contexts. But I think for me is you do that kind of reading, that discernment of, okay, what what are right now, whether it's kind of these big bigger social things or like issues that we know are plaguing our community right here, and then what gifts do we have in our community? What passions do we feel that we can use to respond? And then where can our gifts meet the world's needs? And that could be like a vocational place for us to to paraphrase the uh, theologian Frederick Buchner, like where are our our joy, our gifts, and the world's needs meeting. And again, that, that could look different in different places. But I think, again, like if we're looking at the, the gospel and seeing who Jesus hung out with, and it's really anyone who would be kind of left out or uh, oppressed, that's a good place to, to start. Yeah, I like taking the idea from Frederick Buckner and bringing it not to one's own soul and one's own vocation, but to a group of people and collective action. That's really neat. What are some like good starting points in terms of goals or objectives? Like, is it good to be really narrow and pick something very specific? Should there be kind of a broader focus on like a wider social uh, concern? What do you think a group should start with? Yeah, I think it like has to start with people. Uh, we think of like some of the heroes of like the Catholic social justice tradition or who kind of lived in these ways that are inspiring while also kind of intimidating. Like, how could we do that? But you think of someone like Dorothy Day, who's a famous, you know, American on the road to sainthood. And like, she really emphasized, we could call it now, I guess, like personalism, the sense of getting to know people and we get to know people and you, and she opened these houses of hospitality where people who were experiencing poverty and all, all kinds of challenges could come in for a meal and to stay and to, to be there. And so it's getting to know people who are around us in particular, I think, and hearing about their struggles, their pains. And then as we get to know those people growing to love them, so we can only want, we want to change the systems that are oppressing them. And so then can follow that from there. But as opposed to like kind of working in the abstract, oh, the, like this social issue, immigration, say, we can get to some of those bigger social questions and we will, but like to start by saying, okay, who are the, who are those people in our midst who we know are suffering, who are far from home, who are looking for a better life for their, their families. And 
I think about this one parish I used to work with that they realized that the Catholic Charities Agency was resettling refugees like right in their neighborhoods like of this parish from people who weren't necessarily Catholic, people from the Middle East, uh, from people from Myanmar, a few different countries. And so they like worked to how could we have like a meal where we bring our parish together with these neighbors of ours and just get to know them and uh, build relations, start to build relationships. And so like they would have these big like kind of potlucks and bring people together in like the church gym. And then from there, as they got to know people and learn about some of the challenges, then those those parishioners are starting to do some lobbying maybe with their like members of Congress or the federal government. Hey, like let's raise the cap of, of refugees we're admitting here in the US. Let's make sure that they're well supported. Let's change laws to make sure people have what they need. So, but it started with the their neighbor. Yeah. So do charity by your neighbor and let that interaction, those acts of charity spur forward the justice formation that starts to turn your wheels and get you thinking about advocacy and activism in broader senses. If it's disconnected from people, then it becomes, I don't know, like soulless. Uh, yeah. You get to know the stories and the the faces. And that's why I think like the Catholic tradition is so beautiful is that it emphasizes that and that like seeing the face of Jesus in each of these individual people and getting to know their names and their stories while also saying because of that experience and then we learn about how there are, there are systems that are oppressing them and keeping them from living the best life that they could live we work to change those too so it's this, this great both and that i think is a, a real gift to the world yeah and that like incarnate humanized spirituality those acts kind of like bust us out of like slacktivism like the idea that social media posts or online petitions can be the end all be all when it's better off as a small piece of a puzzle that's grounded in relationship and those human connections. What kind of challenges or hurdles have you seen groups face as they start to come together and work toward charity and justice? Is there anything that you think is kind of common that you could maybe help people troubleshoot a little bit as they work together to try to meet these needs in their communities? Yeah, I think there are definitely some. Some could be, you know, that sense of there there are so many problems in the world. Mm. Where do we start? And so I think using some of those good discernment, okay, like let's let's not try to do everything all at once. We believe that like the love of God is has already won over sin and death and that we're just working out the details and that we're part of this working out the details, but we don't have to do everything. Um and so figuring out what that first thing will be and then kind of seeing where it might might take you. I do think too when you start getting into social justice uh, activism, uh, especially when it gets into political issues, and it will get into political issues, right? Eventually it will, the ones that are hot button issues that are debated on cable news. And often there will be pushback within faith communities, whether from a, a pastor or from other people in the community. It can sometimes feel like there's a small group of you know, kind of crazy activists who want to be doing this. And then everyone else is kind of like, I don't know if that's for me or even to the point of like trying to shut it down. So I think there, there's some of those landmines can exist. And so like, that's where I think to like, to learn about the church's teaching that, yeah, like even what Pope Francis's quote, I find helpful, like a good Catholic meddles in politics because it's, you know, which is I think kind of surprising to people to think about, which is not to say that we are partisan, but that we get involved in these issues and we raise our voices in the public square coming from our faith perspective. Um, so that can be tricky. And two, I think sometimes if we can, if we get really fired up about a justice issue, 
we use immigration as an example, like we'll come into our, our school or our parish or wherever we are and say like, this is this thing and you need to do this if you're going to be a good Catholic and people get turned off by that. And so trying to think of more like gentler ways to invite people uh, to connect, which is where I think often like the personal connection at first, getting to know people uh, and then moving toward some of those systemic questions is a, a way to bring people along who then won't feel completely turned off. Because I think that is one thing you see in a lot of parishes or even schools that it's like this one small group of people is doing the social justice stuff on behalf of everyone else. And that is not like the vision. I don't think that we hear from Jesus who kind of puts this at the heart of our faith or that we've heard from bishops or popes to say like, this is not for just a few people to do, but for everyone uh, in different ways. But at the heart of our faith community should be the pr prayer and sacraments and scripture and the tradition and also the work for justice. So it's not an optional piece, but figuring out how to bring people into that in different ways is uh, is always, I think, a, a good challenge to work on. Yeah. So how can you tie in the life, the faith life of a of a faith community? What what is the part that going to mass has to play in this? What is the part that um, you know the social life and fellowship of a faith community has to play? What's the kind of community setting in terms of that faith formation part, and how uh, a group of people from a faith community can lean on their faith to animate this action? Yeah, and I, I find I love the parish, especially as a setting for service and justice work, because to me it's just so beautifully integrated. Again, like when I think of like what. Catholicism has to offer. And it seems like our branding is not that good, but like, hey, people are hungry for community and for a sense of meaning and for something transcendent and something beautiful and something that is relevant to the world today and responds to needs of the of our local communities and the whole planet. Like, yeah, we have all that. <laughs> We're just all not always the best at like kind of leading with that. We get into distracted by other things. Um, but I, I think there's always that like, the, those things like go together in such a beautiful integrated whole. And even like I've heard Dorothy Day used to say like the mass is the work, you know, the, the sense that she was such a very involved in the liturgical sacramental life of the church, the devotional life of the church and found that as a, a way of like renewal. I, I think too, I, again, the sense of like this, this community that like, gathers around this table, you know, for liturgy every day uh, or every week, especially then, it's a pretty clear, like this is again, a vision of, you know, a vision of heaven, a taste of heaven, that there's this, uh, a table in which everyone can be fed and we all come together around that, that then should carry over into how we live uh, outside. And also, as we were talking about scripture earlier, it's like really every page of Hebrew scripture in the New Testament, just, just so much about like how we live in community with each other. And so I think there's opportunity to hear preaching uh, that is kind of making those connections. And that could happen so, so many times, you know, to see, to, to like to pray and to preach with like the scripture in one hand and the, the newspaper in the other. And I think too, like the work for justice is hard and can be frustrating. And so like the faith community, one, it supports us. So we're not on it by ourselves. And again, I think it brings us back to the sense that we are, we're doing this because it's part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and a friend of Jesus is to to be involved in this. And so can help us kind of keep, sustain us when sometimes the, the work can be difficult because we have that to lean on. So I, for me, like I, I the, the, uh, the, like the liturgical sacramental prayer life, social life of the church and the justice work, you can't separate those things. Like those things feed each other and need each other. So in terms of reading, in terms of prayer, what books or 
kind of prayer styles or approaches would you recommend to people as they engage in justice ministry? Obviously, I'm recommending your book to parish communities and to faith-based groups because it's so practical and has such relevant resources to kind of ground and shape the process. Um, but what else do you like to recommend in terms of justice formation? Yeah, so I mean, there are definitely like good books that like cover like the teachings and the papal writings and the, the few dozen like encyclicals that kind of give us some of the direction in terms of what what we're doing. But I think too, like to kind of read the stories of saints, both canonized and not, who are who are doing this is you know so important. So I mentioned Dorothy Day a couple of times. So she was a writer. So you can read some of her stuff, her own memoir, uh, Long Loneliness. As again, coming from a Jesuit perspective now, there's a, a great Jesuit, Greg Boyle, who's out in uh, Los Angeles, who started um, the the largest gang intervention like center in the in the country, if not beyond. And he had it's a few books, including like the, his like first classic tattoos on the heart, which is again, it which does a great job of like sharing the stories of the ministry and faith in action, but then also kind of pulling back what are we learning from these stories that like kind of help us think about how we want the world to look. So I think some yeah, the power of story is so important. You know, if justice gets too disconnected from people and from story, then it becomes too abstract. So I think, yeah, the, those things can really hook our imaginations. And once you, I think, get, are interested and get like hooked by something like a Greg Boyle book, then going to some of the like the papal writings and some of the theory is helpful. But I usually lead with the story. I think that's wise. Last question I've been asking everybody in this series. A lot of our members and our colleagues are accompanying young people and young adults in ministry in various settings. What advice or insights do you have for Viatorians who are trying to be good companions of youth and young adults? What would you want them to hear or know or take to heart? Yeah, well, I think like the work for justice is such a great piece of accompanying young people, right? Like I think a lot of the complaints sometimes from young people, it's like, what does the faith have to do with my life today? Like, how is this connected to like what I'm seeing? And or even I'm passionate about these social issues and what does the church have to say about that? And what are they doing about that? A lot. We just don't always, again, uh, communicate that well or invite young people into those experiences well. But for me, as like a high school kid, it was my parish youth ministry that was really kind of centered on service and theological reflection. So then talking about your experience in the context of our faith, in the context of scripture and sacramental life, like, why do we do this? What does this mean? How do we find our own vocations and what God is calling us within the context of work for justice? That's where the faith came alive for me. It was only after that I got more interested in, in different different pieces, intellectual stuff. But it was the those initial engagements. So I would say like in terms of evangelization, there's very little that's more powerful than that encounter on the margins, uh, the reflection on that experience, and then moving toward working for systemic justice. Like that, I just think that is a great, like if our youth programs don't have that, um, then we're missing just a huge opportunity and you know, big part of our our call certainly. So I would say like, yeah, any way you can figure out and especially ways to get young people connected with those who are on the margins in a in an incarnational way is such a huge blessing, both for them, for hopefully for those we encounter uh, and for the church as a whole. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Folks who would like to reach out can email Mike at jcucommunications at jesuits.org. You can find the podcast Mike Hosts for the Jesuits by searching AMDG wherever you're listening to this episode. His email, a link to that podcast, and a link to Mike's book, The Ministry of Peace and Justice, are in the show notes. 
Our thanks to Mike for sharing his thoughts and our prayers for him and the Jesuits' continued ministries with young people. To learn more about the Viatorians or invite vocational accompaniment, email us at vocations at viatorians.com or DM us on social media at ViatorianUSA. On behalf of Brother Peter and the Viatorian community, I'm pre-associate Dan Masterton. Venerable Louis Kerbs, inspire us. St. Vider, pray for us. Adored and loved be Jesus. Mm-hmm.